Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Breaching Extinction podcast. We are here for our poor episodes with Liam and Shelby. Um, how's everybody doing today? What's going on? We're doing okay. I'm doing okay. I feel like yeah. you're thriving in your orca suit now that you have two. Yes, I definitely have two. It's 80 degrees outside. Um, so, I mean, I'm kind of used to this heat at this point just because of... Hold on one second. Is that is that the car? Yeah, that was Jackson just calling me. Um, I'll have to edit all of that out. But for our listeners, for this quick interruption, I like just had to take a phone call because my car went missing because I got stranded over the weekend with Dane, and um, my car had to get towed back to Monterey. So we're trying to figure out where it is. Um, <laughs> but shout out to Captain Jackson for literally saving us um, and driving four hours from San Gregorio down to Santa Maria. Thanks. Um, but yes, hopefully we found the car. But Liam, continue. How is How are your orca suits? Amazing. They're, you look fashionable. Yes, they're wonderful. Uh, the one that I'm wearing right now is the one that um, that see uh, see something, some orca conservancy. I forget what it was called. Uh, yeah, I, I forget what it was called. I think it was like sea life. Hold on. It, I it's I'm wearing I'm wearing the suit that one of their people yeah yeah Sea Life SR three they posted a picture of somebody wearing one of the uh, nice. one of the suits that's the one I'm in right now and uh, yeah it's eighty degrees outside we just got hit by a, a massive heat wave but yeah I'm still vibing in it despite that um, and yeah this I love was... that Liam has not one but two orca suits like I, one must always yeah, have so... a backup i could have spent i could have spent fifty dollars on literally anything else anything more productive but i decided to spend on a second one just for the hell of it for sure i mean definitely when i got the orca suit that i filmed orca demise in i wish that i had to because there were a couple times that like i needed the suit but i left it in san diego which is where we filmed it and then like didn't have the orca suit on deck um but yeah, you just never know when you're going to need one, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you never know. This so one, I feel the one that I'm wearing, this one seems to be very good for like walking around outside when it's not Perfect. too scorching. And the other one is good for like, you know, sleeping in. For sure. Um, but other than that, oh, wait a minute. I just realized, yeah, almost I was when on the subject of stuff that's been happening. I was kayaking and I almost got run over. And that was basically. By a boat or like a whale or what? By a boat. <laughs> oh, that's not good. And I, ate ba- and I ate berries. I ate wild berries that were growing next to some kind of like gravel plant or something. Perfect. Yes. Some kind of gravel dispensing station with a whole bunch of barges around it. I mean, wild berries are the best. Like I remember up in um, Washington eating the blackberries that would grow. So yeah, the blackberry. Yeah, it was blackberries that were. They were so su- they were super sweet and they were super amazing. But the beach that we were on was littered with like metal and debris and just stuff from barges, both floating and sunken. Oh Lord, I feel like that's just everywhere these days. How about you, Shelby? What's new? How's it going? It's good. Um, yeah, I, in one month, I'm like moving out to Vancouver Island. So I'm just starting to get everything organized for that. It's starting to feel real now. So I'm like trying to get together with friends and stuff and make sure I see everyone I want to see before I leave. So it's been busy 
adding that into the mix of an already busy schedule, but for sure, we're excited. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Well, I'm excited for you to move. I want to come visit. Um, yeah. I'm going to be in Washington October 17th through the 21st. Oh yeah. I'd oh, love to come perfect. visit as well. Yes. Yes. Definitely come yeah. visit. I think I'm planning to meet up with Kendra and Fred. I think Gloria is going to be around as well. And then I have some friends that I work with on Orcas Island that I'm going to meet up with too. So maybe you guys can come. We can just have like one big whale party, but it's a, yes. the same time of the Friday Harbor film festival. Cause um, I am hoping, I I don't know if they've confirmed the lineup, but um, there was talk of co-extinction being in that lineup. They, they co-extinction made the finalist. Uh, yeah. They're one of the finalists. Yes. That's super exciting. Which, so, I I, yeah, I'd love that. to go see that. Yeah. Money. Pretty stoked. Um, so are you coming to Canada or they're going to Washington? Well, I think just because COVID restrictions are possibly becoming a thing again, I think we're going to play it by year. I was going to try to go up there um maybe for like a day or something um but we'll see maybe it would be a lot easier just because I'm only there for like a hot second on the islands just like a couple days in and out um I have lots of people that I want to see so um I'm hoping they can meet me there but we'll we'll just play it by ear see what happens yeah yeah no I was just saying that I'd love to come up there and visit like all of us we'd together for some kind of party thing it would be nice um I just like met a bunch of whale people at the LA ACS like all day whale watching trip that they had out of Santa Barbara. And that was so fun. Like I love whale people. It's amazing. Um, I like the sightings were decent. Like, and like, it's funny. I was talking to my friend from Newport about this because like, they don't really have a ton of whale sightings and being from Monoram all spoiled and like, eh, it was all right. We saw them come up. We did. see <laughs> We saw um, the CA uh, 39As and they were, in Monterey on Monday. And then we just saw them in Santa Barbara on um, Saturday. So that's awesome. That's like, that is really awesome. Yeah. Just like yeeting across the ocean like that. Yeah. (laughs) And that's cool that they did like a big, one big tour for for all the whale people. Like that sounds like a good time. (laughs) It was. Um, And I'm hoping we'll do one here in Monterey because um, there's some like new movement in the ACS here. So I'm hoping that like, they're gonna plan some more stuff um, here in Monterey, so that would be sick. But um, it was great. That was like my first all day trip. I've never done an all day trip, like a formal all day trip. I'm used to spending yeah. 14 hours on the water, but like <laughs> we're not docking. Broken up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, okay, so we were gonna start with a little icebreaker and then we got sidetracked um, because why not start with an icebreaker? But, um, and all of our listeners I'm sure are dying to know, if you were a vegetable, what kind of vegetable would you be? Oh, God. Shall- oh, you want me to go? Yeah, yeah go give me a you. moment. I'm trying to. Oh, shit. Okay. I was going to say a carrot. Okay. Because I feel like they're very diverse because you can like eat them raw and they're like all crunchy or you can like cook them. You can make them sweet. They are good for your eyes, which is obviously important for whale watching. Yes. So. That's why I was going to say carrot. Uh, I, I, I'm going to say asparagus, which is just yeah. what I actually had today. Uh, asparagus, just it tastes great, whether, whether it's raw or cooked. It, I feel like it goes well with everything. Uh, and even though it's, it only has one really notable side effect or 
um, I think it's I think it's prestigious and classy, and I, I like it. It's classy. Okay, I'm my captain's coming. It sounds like the car is is at um at the place, but I have to go look after this. So hopefully, okay. we'll find my car. This is going to be the most edited porpoise I think we've ever done with all the phone calls. Maybe by the end, we'll know where my car is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be interesting. We just end it on like a third or fourth interruption. And it's where you <laughs> put in a little thing at the start, like, stay tuned to find out if we find Erica's car. If we find, if we find Erica's <laughs> car that just decided to quit in yeah. the middle of the road. In the middle of the road. It was great. Um, yeah. Okay, so you're an asparagus because you're classy. We love it. I love that you consider asparagus classy. Nice. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like no. I'm going to be inspired by Shrek and say that like, I would be an onion because lots of players. <laughs> yeah. He's doing a lot of dishes, um, very versatile, oh. compliment things well. I feel like there it is. That's amazing. They bring yeah, up the emotion. That's amazing. Yeah, they bring yeah. up the emotion. That too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, awesome. So now that we covered the important topics of what vegetables all of the co-hosts are going to be, then now we can move on to other important topics. So um, if you guys tune in last episode, you would know that we are doing a series of reviewing books, but this season we are going to be focused on Endangered Orcas, The Story of the Southern Residents by Monica Whelan Shields. So we're doing two chapters a week. Um, and this week we did the first two chapters, which are titled, let's find them here. Chapter one is a complex species, different kinds of killer whales, and then two is living in a close-knit community. So this is part of the first part um, called Understanding Killer Whales. I'm really stoked to be rereading this book because this was one of the first books that I picked up when starting this project and like learning about the Southern residents. I remember it being a really great resource for me and like leading me to a lot of other things. Um, and I was going back through and like checking um, her sources and like where she got her information and like, oh, she has like pretty good sources in here. So it's, like definitely like she she quotes like you know actual scientific papers so this is like a book that is or it should be founded in science so we're jamming on it um I think this will be like interesting too because we all come from very different backgrounds with like Liam just graduating high school I just have a bachelor's and like do whale things and then Shelby is out here getting an entire PhD so um I don't know what are your guys initial thoughts on the first two chapters um, I like how I like how the first two um, they uh, they introduce before actually talking uh, discussing uh, the specifics of a certain topic. Uh, the author introduces us to a um, to a memory. Like I think in chapter one, she go she talks about uh, how um, the first time I think she saw the Southern Residence, which was at Lime Kiln when she was. Uh, she saw a granny coming in, you know, rolling over through the kelp and all that sort of stuff and how recognizable she was. And how the second chapter starts out with her um, remembering when someone asked, you know, you know, why is it that whales uh, uh, come up for uh, come uh, basically come up to the surface and and shout and shouting just a bunch of uh, things at the whales like, oh, you know 
is that the blowhole? You know, why is it doing this? Why is it doing that? And yeah, sort of, um, it, it all, le- it all leads into a certain like topic, like for that second one about, you know, why, why someone, someone asking why the workers do what they do, it then led into listing off the basics of what they do. You know, you know, they're conscious breathers, you know, they travel, uh, everywhere uh, together from A to B. They mostly, do, you know, they'll do resting, foraging, socializing, and then traveling. Um, and then, yeah. And then, yeah, that's basically that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So I like how the memories then transfer into actual discussions about whales or facts about the whales. Yeah, I agree. Like kind of taking a little bit of both of what each of you said, I think it's a really great introduction book because you, you're getting the history of the evolution of the killer whales and um, great facts about them, but it's not too dense of information. Like I find it still an enjoyable read while also learning lots at the same time. So I really enjoy her writing style. And I just think that's what makes it a great introduction book to someone looking to get in more into orcas and learn more about them. Yeah, that was kind of my thought too, is I feel like this is very easily digestible. Like anybody from any kind of reading level could pick it up and like I definitely think the combination of like her sharing facts about the orcas plus like personal experiences it like brings in that personal touch that you know um I think can help people to connect a little bit better so yeah yeah all those memories yeah the memories not just her memories but also memories of other people uh and yeah it's a great yeah as you said it's a great uh, introductory book to who the southern residents are and also what impact they've had on on people and culture up in the northwest yeah were there any parts that stood out to you guys uh i i I guess granny's um apparently how easily identifiable she was that kind of struck me uh i was like because she she there's very there's a lot of specifics that you have to take into account in order to identify a will, but apparently Granny was one of the ones that was easily identifiable. Yeah. What about you, Shelby? Um, to me, one of the parts that stood out was uh, when she was discussing about how um, how they developed the naming system for the whales. Uh, she mentioned that Cappuccino was a unique whale because it was the only whale to be switched pods so originally he was classified as an l l pod whale and then they watched him switch pods and reclassified him as a k pod whale and i guess that just stood out because um of his recent passing so it was kind of a a unique uh piece of information that i didn't know about him before so just because we had been speaking about him recently that stood out to me and i thought it was interesting Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I feel like a lot of this, like at this point, like, I don't know, it doesn't matter how much, you know, like there's always stuff that you like forget and then come back to. And like, one of the ones that stuck out for me was when she was talking about Luna. Um, And I've been noticing a theme of like, whenever there's an animal or a Southern resident that's in trouble, there is like this fear of captivity, which she talked about with Luna um, and the whole issue with that whale in 2006 Um, and I think it's interesting how that's like still a concern today and it's kind of 
a theme that we will touch on in this week's episode um, with David Bain from Orca Conservancy and he'll share his thoughts on that. Um, but um, I just thought that was interesting too. And then another one that I thought was interesting, which is kind of funny. Um, so when she was basically talking about like the um, reproductive health of the whales, um, she basically like talked about different, um, like how these guys behave different, like sexually. And I remember like, there's a, this is highlight. This is from when I first um, was reading this. And I have this part like marked out and it just says gay. And like, I thought that was really funny. Which but part it, was um, it's on page 52. Um, but basically, so there's a quote that says, um, indeed, no avertedly aggressive behaviors are observed between males. On the contrary, there's often sexual behavior occurring with penile erections and lots of tactile contact between animals. And I think that we should scientifically recognize this as homosexual. Um, yeah. But we don't need to. But I just thought that that was funny. I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. I like Actually, I did tell yeah. Jackson that gay whales exist and he's like no they don't and now I'm gonna have to take this to him and be like which I knew that they did but then I'm gonna be like look at this documentation homosexual. I was wondering but it it's I think it might be I think so I think some of the whales actually I think most of the whales I have a theory that most of them are actually bisexual whales just because that. they can you know they can hover between you know, having, you know, being with a, a one of the opposite sex or being one with the uh, same sex. True. So sometimes I feel like they can just kind of hover. They can either hover between, you know, bisexual whale or, or, yeah, or homosexual whale. Yeah. I mean, we know they're like so emotionally connected yes. and that part of their brain is like so much more developed than ours is. Like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we later kind of came to a more solid conclusion on that. Yeah. yeah. I would agree with you on that. I think it would be hard to tell if like the females were being sexual yeah. with another just because like you don't have like, you know, their dongs just like out, you know. Yeah. I thought it's been seen of other pods, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I thought that that was really good. Um, yeah, and kind of along with that, I think it was like in a similar, a close bisection to that, she was saying how um, all of the interactions, like there's never any like dominance aggression with the males getting together as well, which you often see in other species. Like they're always just there to enjoy each other's company in some way or another. So I think that's also a really unique aspect of them too. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So highly complex societies, like we see that they can switch pods. Um, I feel like L pod is my favorite pod now that like the more that I read I feel like I like L pod the most really? out of all three pods yeah like I don't know <laughs> like they're versatile um but well it's not the it's just like the individual stories of the whales I find yeah. interesting obviously yeah because there's a few individuals this. that have branched out to join with other pods is that what you mean yeah definitely like I, like, I just think it's interesting. Like, they're, like, they seem to be, there are other stories with them that, like, you don't necessarily see with other pods. I think they're my favorite. I like that. I feel like that's an unpopular opinion. Thank you. Yeah. All of those. I like it. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, overall, like, I hope you guys are reading along with us. I think that, like, this is definitely, it was, like, a staple in the beginning. And I'm excited to see how like the rest of this goes now having done this for two years and like talking to so many different people um 
and also this book was I think it's important to note that this book was uh, printed in 2019 so still pretty relevant um, but not like it was like a couple years ago there was another thing there was another thing that I made a little note about that I was like hmm I had thoughts on let me see if I can find it here um, in the prologue there was a quote and it was talking about Scarlet and um the you know the issue with Scarlet and trying to like you know save her and Noah getting involved in everything um and Monica was there for all of this um and apparently like you know she's asking herself uh, like she's talking about in this paragraph asking herself um like how we got here and like why are we talking about medication or capturing a whale whenever, um, like, and rehabilitating a wild whale? And then there's a quote that says, yes, we want Scarlet to live, but treating her illness as a Band-Aid solution to the real problems this, uh, or this unique uh, population of killer whales is facing. First and foremost, um, the declines of their preferred Chinook salmon prey along the West Coast. Um, and I thought, like, that just stood out to me because I think a lot, like there are definitely, a, like, I think that she is right. We need to like get to the real solutions. There's a lot of like, there are a lot of issues that we need to get to the root of, but also, I don't know, there's a lot of controversy around helping individuals. Um, and like, now I'm kind of thinking more about the ethics of that and like David Bain kind of made me think about it a little bit differently because I've just heard this narrative of like let's not get involved in this and that um but I thought that that was interesting too that that was brought up but also like I don't know I feel like a lot of people are like we need to address the real problems and like a lot of the problems are real problems but we definitely do need to address the root issues I think yeah yeah so, um those were my that was my sense on that. Do you guys? Yeah, I think that kind of like similar case of just, um, I guess, cappuccino, like hmm. uh, seeing like how bad of shape he was in. And again, like uh, there's thoughts there that it could have been something term like cancer um, and not necessarily the salmon decline, but of course, I think every time something like that happens, it's a good reminder of no matter what, like we don't, we, it shouldn't take um, a struggling whale for us to be like pushing hard on getting to the root cause. Does that make sense? Yeah, like it, it, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that that's like, that definitely makes sense. And that, I think like, it definitely comes to fruition and it's more on people's mind when it happens. And mm -hmm. I feel like at this point, people have kind of, if you're not a whale person, you've already forgotten about cappuccino. You're like, Oh, rip whale. Like, bye. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I definitely think it's interesting. And like, I don't know. I'm kind of wondering, like, I feel like if given how small the population is depending on, I don't Well, there's so many factors. Like, I don't know if, if it's worth it to get involved or not get involved because like, the pros to that is like, you know, obviously we see the grandmother effect coming into play of like grandma's teaching babies how to do things and then, um, you know, then passing that along. And then obviously if we have like a reproductive um, animals, like of a reproductive age, we would want to keep them around. So it's interesting because um, like we could go in and potentially do more harm. And I think the biggest thing that stops like people from doing that is this fear of captivity. Um, mm -hmm. If 
something goes wrong. Um, but I think this is definitely one of those like more difficult conversations to have that is like very charged. Um, and I don't know what the right answer to it is. Um, but I've definitely seen it come up a lot more. What do you guys think? Like, do you feel that we should get more involved medically with the Southern residents if it's an option? I you know, am wondering, oh, you go ahead, Liam. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if we knew for a fact that, I mean, if we had some, uh, some methods that were proven to be that have been proven to work maybe, but all, but at this point, it's still a, you know, a case of, you know, should we take the gamble and is the gamble worth it? And because, you know, there is always the chance of us not, you know, and we may end up doing something that probably makes it worse. There's current predicament worse or um, our intervention would not, would possibly only be slowing them down and not actually helping. And yeah, I guess, I guess, you know, do, you know, the question is, do we, you know, my, my fear is, you know, with that kind of thing is um, it feels like um, it feels like another one of those solutions that, or well, not really solution. It feels like a sort of bandaid thing that doesn't really fix anything i mean it might it, it yeah i guess Even yeah it's, it's really just I, I don't know how to i don't know how to really put it uh but i guess the best way i could best thing i could say is maybe if our me- methods proven to be work we could probably do that or if they'd actually shown to have some kind of effect but as of right now it's still we still don't know whether or not what we're doing is would really work because there's still a lot we don't know about them and there's still a lot yeah that's fair I feel like too like there's a risk that we take with scientific exploration of like could this work could this not work and like if it looks like the whale's gonna die already like and obviously you have to assess it on a whale by whale basis of like what's going on with that one is it gonna be more stressful for us to intervene? Is it like, you know, is there potential for help? And I think really the only people that can answer those questions are like veterinarians and like other scientists that work with the killer whales. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's I think it's a difficult one. And I think it's a topic people are kind of scared to touch on because like, we don't wanna accidentally hurt the whale, but like, I don't know, it's hard. What do you think Shelby? Yeah, um, this, like your prompt on this reminded me of something else interesting uh, that I remember reading in the book. And that was, um, so once they had numbered all of the individual whales by 1976, they had about 70 Southern residents, which if you look objectively now, we technically have more Southern residents now than we did then. But then it was mentioned as well in the book that um, we're coming up to a difficult point in time because Uh, the next generation of whales, there's going to be a gap because of all the whales that were captured in the capture era. So we've kind of, we've interfered with, um, with their social system and how, like, how they evolved to thrive. And so maybe just my initial thoughts is maybe we do need some intervention to help 
some of that undoing um, mm-hmm. because perhaps some of the struggling is because of the whales that we've taken out and creating that gap um, in the family structure. Mm-hmm. But uh, in terms of just helping at all, I totally agree. I think um, I think we need like all hands on deck of uh, professionals from a wide range um, like scientists, veterinarians, um, yeah. behaviorists, all of that. Um, and yeah, really, we just need to see if the pros outweigh the cons on an individual basis, I think. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I feel like the, those decisions should be left up to the experts, like, of course, and I yeah. think they are. Um, and I don't want to give too much away about like this week's episode. Um, but you know, that's not a decision, like uh, having a hands-off approach is not a decision that like everybody loves. Um, Mm -hmm. but I do like, I get the fear, but at the same time, like there are so many protections in place for like taking there. I don't think it's legally possible for a Southern resident to be taken and put into SeaWorld or another place like that. Mm -hmm. I think, like worst case scenario they end up in a sea pen up at like the whale sanctuary that Lori marino runs which she literally has studied um the neurobiology of animals or like of cetaceans and has designed this based on all of her research so you know it seems a bit more credible than like sending them somewhere else so i think it's hard obviously we don't want the animals like to be in captivity but at the same time like if we could save one with the population being so small, like it could be worth it. So yeah, exactly. One whale could make the world of a difference. Literally. Like imagine if it's a female whale, she goes on to have five babies. Like you never know. So yeah. um, Yeah. But I'm excited to read the rest of this. Um, Do you guys have any final thoughts? No, uh, not really. Yeah. Um, Cool. So we will be finishing part one next week. Um, with chapters three and four, which is the world of sound and then personality, emotions, and culture. So um, join us next week and maybe we'll have an update for you on where my car is. Thanks for being patient, everyone, with all the interruptions in this episode of Where's Eric's Car and Homosexual Whales and should we medicate whales? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.